Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with the host of Static Radio, Bob Lemem. The Static's website's first episode was January 1st, 1999, and a vain attempt to make the world hear the off-kilter and sophomoric ramblings of Miles Title and Bob Lemem. Now 24 years and counting, they continue their weekly stream of consciousness dialogues. As you may have discerned from listening, they have no preparation or any use of manners or decorum to provide a fully improvised piece of comedy. Enjoy this interview. Hello, how are you? Bob, what's going on? Not much. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm good. Nice to meet you. How are we doing today? Everything's great, man. Great to meet you. I like your background. I like yours, too. Are we coming out of Stonehenge? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We are. Um, do me a favor at the end of this. I'd love to send you a sticker of this if you're interested. I'll, I'll mail you one. Sure. Cool. Well, hey, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out. And where are you coming out of? I'm in St. Louis, oddly enough. Wow. Okay. I'm here in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. I, okay. I read a little bit. You're, are you in Raytown? Is that what it said? I'm actually in Lee Summit, the home of Pat. Lee Summit. Sorry. Yeah. Lee Summit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's good to be, we're, we're kind of, uh, across each other in the state here. So it's great to yeah. meet you. Before we get into your life and your work, I want to know first and foremost, how did you get through the pandemic? How did you survive that time period and how has it changed you? <laughs> That's a great question. There you go. How did, can we talk about this? Because everything gets banned whenever you say, I won't say the, uh, the acronym. How's that? So, yeah. Um, I, actually, I loved it to be honest with you. I wish it would continue in some regards because uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the, uh, you know, mild isolation of it uh, and kind of just being with my family. It wasn't terrible uh, in regards for me. So I think um, the weird thing is uh, I'm more of an introvert, really, even though I do all this other stuff. This is the extrovert side of me, but on a, most of my hours are spent introverted, uh, oddly enough. <laughs> So it's not so hard for me to to be uh, by myself or just in a small group or whatever. So I, I didn't have much problem. The, the terrible part was, uh, probably more so than the pandemic itself, was uh, our house burned down just ahead of it. So in uh, in May, our house burned down. And then in March, before we could get it rebuilt and everything, all that uh, other stuff happened. So it was kind of a double whammy. Um, so actually the house thing was probably much worse than the, uh, pandemic for us for wow. me personally. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's crazy, man. I remember <laughs> in Kansas city, right around when the pandemic began, there was this iconic club called Davies Uptown and mm -hmm. it was kind of a place for like indie bands and underground kind of things to happen. And it caught on fire. And, and I just remember that time period thinking, man, what a bad time. For everything yeah. to kind of stack up, you know. I, I mean, and having the uh, kind of a, a loose connection to Kansas City, my daughter went to UMKC at that time. Uh, she's graduated now, but uh, so we would go quite often. And then uh, she actually uh, came and uh, lived with us for a while in our rental house uh, during that time period uh, before. Uh, uh, we got into back into our house after it was rebuilt. Um, and so that was kind of different for her too, because I know in Kansas City, a lot of stuff, you know, shut down and, 
and uh, you know uh, clubs and bars and restaurants that had a terrible, terrible time because I went she went back to school afterwards. Uh, you know, it was a, it, the landscape had changed. So yeah, it certainly had. So, Bob, let's get to the heart and soul of what you do for a living. If I put you in front of a bunch of third graders, it's career day. One of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? So uh, I work. My main work is in government work, oddly enough. So I do uh, work for a government uh, institution. Uh, and uh, I'd say on an everyday basis, uh, I communicate with people oddly enough uh so depending on the situation uh i don't necessarily always communicate the same thing it kind of depends on the day um and so yeah my job is mostly just talking to people and trying to get information to them in a way that is uh easily digestible and understandable and and of course on message as it were So so yeah so talk to me about static radio. Yeah, so static radio is my hobby, really. So I do that on a, on a weekly basis and have been doing it for a very long time. Um, and uh, static radio itself is just an extension of something that uh, I did back in college. So I was on college radio uh, with my co-host, who still is my co-host, Miles Title, And we did a show, uh, and we actually called it static radio back then as well. And um, once we graduated, we went into other career paths and so forth. And so, um, but still wanted to do, uh, that. And so I, the internet was just, you know, coming about. This would be in uh, the late nineties. Uh, well, I said the internet of, of, uh, having media. So before it was kind of the internet of, uh, you know, gifts and pictures. Um, but having media and so forth. And so in 99, we, we launched uh, the website and started doing a weekly show. And we've been doing it every week since, with the exception of, you know, tragedies, uh, house burning down and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've never even said this before, but I just thought about something. You know, I remember those early college days for me getting into radio was a big deal. And one of the shows that I had, because I was getting into sports radio, and I had an alternative music show at Park College. Mm-hmm. And... I think maybe three people listened to it, me, my co-host, and somebody that accidentally ran into it on the dial. And uh, the guy that I did the show with was pretty seasoned, and I worked with him at a grocery store. And he kind of pulled me in, and I got in. I got a lot of great experience, and I lost touch with them. And about 10 to 15 years later, an Amber Alert comes up, and a father frantically was taking his kids and going to Texas. And it was him. And I was like, Oh, oh my, my God. <laughs> that's like, that's kind of, that's going to be a wild experience. Totally. Because- and I've never really like verbalized it publicly, but I'm not going to say his name. He was a great no, guy. Probably best not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But anyway, you were just saying that. And I was just thinking about how dreamy that time period was because you're sinking your teeth into this thing that you love. And I think that's the beauty of this modern era. With the internet, with podcasting, you get the chance to dive right back into that dream. Yeah, no, and, and obviously it's taken off. I mean, uh, we've been doing stuff for quite some time and, and there's been different eras already of podcasting. I mean, there's a lot of people when I say podcasting, oh, this is new, right? No, it's over 20 years old. I mean, uh, 2004, I think was, uh, when the 
the term was coined. Yes. And um, uh, and then the enclosure for RSS and so forth was created so that you could do something like that. Um, and, you know, it's been around. So we had a, a bump then, had a bump right around the early noughties, as it were, 2011, 2012. And then now it's actually uh, way more uh in the public eye than ever i mean it's um, they're making shows about podcasts which i'm so aggravated about i'm like i've got this show make a show about this show no yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're on tv they're on peacock and hulu and no i'm just uh, but you know it's just it's funny because whenever you become the fodder for entertainment then i think you know as a platform you're something you know yeah it used to be people would make uh movies that were about radio or incorporated radio into them and now or newspapers or what have you television stations now it's podcasting you know that they've already had uh i think i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head here but i think they even had a sitcom where the main uh zach brant or braff or whatever was a podcaster uh i think he did some other stuff too but uh that was a part of his thing. So when you become a sitcom, then I think as an industry, you're established. There was a show I was watching with my wife on Hulu, and it's about this kind of murder mystery. And it's all about securing the podcast, selling it, making money off of it. It is weird, though, to oh, think. That was, that, I think that was on Peacock. I can't remember the name yeah, of it, though. But Right. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. It's going to hit Kaylee, me late. Kaylee Cuoco was in it. Yes. Uh, the Big yeah. Bang Gal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 You know. So. It's weird that it's become this hip thing. And, and I think the pandemic really put a spotlight on it. Cause I've been doing this since mm-hmm. 2011 with mm-hmm. jazz musicians primarily. And I branched out to famous interviews, interviewing people from all over the world, fascinating people. But it is weird to think that it is kind of this hip thing now. I just never yeah. thought it would happen. Oh, yeah. The, um, when I, so I, like we've been doing it for a long time. You've been doing it for a long time. And what, what struck me was, um, my wife, so she's been around since, well, actually, since I was in college when we were on college radio. But uh, then she became my wife, and we've been doing this uh, since. And then she uh, paid for uh, a podcast, and that's when I knew everything was kind of happening because I'm like, well, wait a minute, you don't care what I'm doing. You're like, you know, go away for an hour or two and <laughs> and do your little uh, thing, and then, uh, you know, I don't want to hear about it. And now all of a sudden you're interested because it's, uh, it's, you know, one of these topics. Uh, it was one of those, uh, I can't remember which murder show it was, but it was one of those true crime kind of situations. And here, I, here she is paying for it. And I'm like, really? You're paying for it? Yeah. She's like, well, I kind of pay for yours, don't I? In a way, you know, yeah, I guess so. By osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first podcast I ever listened to that really pulled me in that made me think, wow, this is, this is something that's happening was a Confessions Hotline serial series that was true in New York. It was a precursor to the 900 number thing. Some dude, an artist, lived in New York and just had people call his phone, and they (laughs) would just confess to things. And then it got real juicy. There was, like, confessions to really bad stuff, and it turned into this kind of organism that he didn't expect. So there's fascinating things going on out there in the world. Yeah, and, but it, but back in, you know, I would, even whenever podcasting was coined, I mean, you say, oh, yeah, we do a podcast. Nobody cares. Yeah. And no. back then, oh, really? No, what, what is, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. it's like, 
Oh, you have an i. You own an iPod. I own an iPod too. Who cares? What are you yeah. talking about? So it's yeah, like, it's like that's that's cute. Why don't you get a day job? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now people, you know, do make this their day job. More it or is. Less. And and um, I, you know, in hindsight, I wish that I was more uh, inclined to do that. But uh, you know, I get a I get a pension and uh, all kinds of good benefits, so I'm sticking with that since uh, I'm ingrained in the system. But uh, the um, you know, it, it, people are making a go of it, and I think that's fantastic. I think that's the what I find really interesting is there are people who are making a go of it and so forth. The unfortunate part of it for me is I think. I wish more of those people were on the top. Uh, it seems like there's a, you know, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but essentially big media just invades and, and, and throws a lot of money around. And then therefore they, they take the top rungs of things, which I think for this, uh, medium, uh, it kind of goes against what it's for. Yeah. You no, know? it's for your, your your person who has an interest, your person who has a passion, um, I think more so than than big media. They already have outlets, you know, but uh, they can't let it go. So you know, at least we get to live our dream, right? I mean, that's the thing, you know. Yeah. You, you yeah. don't you don't let it go. You you incubate on it. I know. I got out of radio for a long time. I I saw the inside of it, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And it took me about. Oh, at least 10, 15 years. And I ran into somebody that had a radio show. His name's John Christopher, one of my best people, best man at my wedding recently. And it's just funny how life happens. You just hold on to that dream and then you'll get the right moment. (laughs) Yeah, you'll get uh, something will happen. Yeah. I mean, the, um, uh, I find it incredibly interesting and, and, uh, that there's so many guesting services now. So, um, you know, there's all these different services where you, if you want to be a guest, you want to be, you know, have your show get, get people and it kind of brings them all together. And that was not, it's only come about recently. Yeah. And, um, I think it's really interesting because then you get to connect with all kinds of different, um, people and, and their interests and so forth. So I have, um, over the years, we, we don't, dwell on this uh, or it's not really a subject a regular subject for what we do for our our show but uh you know film and and popular culture but it's been an interest of mine and so i've been able to kind of branch out and and do uh i've done film reviews for people and and talked about uh you know pop culture and, and um you know what's happening now and so forth and so i think it, it adds to the outlets uh for your you know, kind of your interests. So it branches out and you can meet other people with those interests and then, and then uh, interact with them. So it's, it's fascinating. So Bob, I got to tell you, I'm interested in the motif that you have here, but I got to tell you, sure. we have a, a new puppy at home about probably about eight months old and it's a Belgian Malinois and it has mm-hmm. energy. It's like the energizer bunny. And there's <laughs> one toy that makes that dog absolutely pulsate for hours and it's a Statue of Liberty. It's a blue ball, and it looks like the head. <laughs> <laughs> of my cat here? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I love it. Yeah. Now, the cat uh, came about uh, actually uh, pre-pandemic, I think. Somewhere. It's been a few years now. And um, I've always wanted to animate this our show. <laughs> 
And so I looked into that and, um, and, uh, the, uh, I worked on some things. Anyway, there's like a lightning bolt on one side. Well, my co-host would be on the other side of that lightning bolt. Yeah. Uh, normally, and we animated our show for a while. The, the hard part is that, um, uh, he's not quite as technical, uh, as I am. And so, uh, I, right now we're doing a real time. So it's doing a real time uh, animation of my uh, cat head here i had to do it all post and it took a, an incredible amount of time to do that and so i uh, uh we kind of dropped it because it was just so much work but for these kind of things like zoom calls and everything essentially i can do it live and and it works out pretty good and so i've been using the cat for that now so we don't uh animate our show every week necessarily but uh i found another use for all the work i put into it I love it. So let me ask you this. Who's been kind of a hero for you in your life? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, boy, a hero for me in my life. Nobody asks me these questions on a regular basis, <laughs> you know, so you have to take a mo- take a beat here and think about it. Um, yes. I would say if I had to pick somebody just off the top here, uh, it would be my grandfather. So, um He's been gone since forever now, probably what 1980 or something. Um, but when I was young, um, he was uh, such an influence. So um, my other grandfather had died when I was very little, and so I never really remembered him. But my uh, mother's father was around uh, quite a bit. He was quite a character. So he he always was interesting to be with. So he was a person that was always doing something or thinking about something or acting on something. And he always kept, uh, it was never boring. I'll put it that way to be in his presence. He was always talking to people or telling a story or, or, uh, getting involved with something. And, and, uh, so I really idolized him when I was a kid. And so it was, uh, pretty devastating when he passed away, but, um, I've always kind of kept that with me because it's, it was kind of, especially at, at a young age. So I was probably, you know, I don't know, not quite 10 years old or something when he passed away. And, and, um, so that was a very impressionable age. And, um, so, uh, between that and Star Wars, that was probably the big, <laughs> the big thing, but he, um, he kind of, uh, was a, a template, right? So I'm like, if I want to grow up and be a person, what better person to be than like my grandfather because he was always uh, involved in something or another. And I think that's probably why this show has gone on so long. It wasn't that he was into radio or anything. He was into other things. But the point was that he did not, you know, let life stop him from doing things that he thought were interesting. Um, It's so easy, I think, for people to be like, oh, I got to go to work or I got to, you know, do this or do that. And then they never get around to the things that they find interesting or really want to do. And he, I mean, not that he would let the house fall down around him or anything, but you, there are ways to manage your time to where you can do everything as long as you are, you know, not letting it get you down for uh, sure, you know, hold you down. So, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Being in the realm of radio and interviews and all that, who would be a dream person for you to interview or meet? Ooh, besides yourself today, <laughs> um, 
that uh you know they always say don't you know shouldn't meet your heroes i don't know that's always one of those things where you probably shouldn't uh meet those celebrities and so forth because they'll they'll uh let you down a little bit um i don't know i always find it interesting to talk um to people about the future and about the uh, media in general so but right now on top of my head said so roger waters uh would be a, a good one to talk to. Um, uh, but, you know, I don't know. It's a good, I, I couldn't think uh, of anybody. Hmm. That's a good question. I got an interesting story for you as you ponder that, you know, I, I, I'm very well aware of hearing stories about bad encounters with celebrities. When mm-hmm. I was growing up, I was really into baseball um, I mean, I'm in Kansas City, but I love the Mets. My dad was grew up in Long Island, and my favorite player was Dwight Gooden. And I remember writing my first journalistic foray was writing a letter to the Kansas City Star about Dwight Gooden, about forgiving him and moving on. And I just, mm-hmm. I've always loved him. He's just been one of my favorite guys, thick and thin. And I watched the 30 for 30 last year about the Mets. My wife got me a jersey of Dwight Gooden signed last Christmas in his bio. I hadn't thought about him for years. And then all of a sudden, here about a month ago, he's coming through the Negro Leagues Museum and he's going to be inducted into something called the Hall of Game. So I secured Ooh. a press pass and I went in with my son and I met him and it was the most wonderful thing ever. He was the coolest oh, really? cat. Yeah. So he was he exceeded my expectations. He was gracious. I got to interview him for a minute. It was a dream come true. I still can't believe it happened. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. So anyway, just to add a little bit of anti-fire to the moxie of not meeting your heroes there you go (laughs) well that's great though i'm glad that it worked out i would you always worry i mean that's one of those things where you know obviously you shouldn't let it stop you but um it's one of those things where what happened well what if they're not what i hope that they'll be true and and then you feel let down or you feel like well i wasted a lot of time on that one yep um but maybe that's just part of the deal it, it it could be, yeah. And I guess for me, at the end of the day, of all of the things about it that were layered and wondrous is that I picked a really good human being to mm, admire. Yeah. And you were, yeah, you were able to see through the, the hype, as it were. Yeah, for uh, sure. A lot of times that, a lot of times, a lot of that is just shaped by the media, uh, more than shaped by the person themselves. And, uh, and you buy into it. Yeah. I'll say Dick Cavett. How's that? Oh, you remember yeah. Dick Cavett? Dick Cavett, right. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. I was just thinking, Dick Cavett, I could, he probably couldn't let me down because, uh, I think he's a bit pompous, but I bet you that it would be a fantastic conversation. Yeah, it would be. It really would be. So let me ask you this. What is the motivation for you every day to get up out of bed, to do your show, to do the work that you do? What is that? So I think, um, for me, most of the time, my motivation is mostly my family. So it sounds so cliched and everything, but, uh, I do, I have two kids and I love them dearly and want to do for them. Right. So I think there's a tipping point. You said you had a son. So, yes. uh, there's a tipping point in your life where I think you're kind of selfish and you kind of do things for yourself, uh, quite a bit. Um, and then at some point you're like, you know, I'll, I really want to do for these other people. So for my children and so forth. And so I think a lot of times that's, that's the big thing. I mean, obviously I take time for myself. This is a very selfish thing to do, uh, to, to be on these shows and do shows and so forth. But, um, you know, 
uh, on a day-to-day basis, um, I would say that's probably my one of my main motivators is just to do uh, be there for them, do stuff for them, you know, and um, make sure I'm available um, to, you know, whenever they encounter their own problems and issues. And, and even though you don't want to, you know, uh, enable them necessarily, I think you should be there for if they have questions or need advice and, and, uh, and do what you can. Hopefully you have good advice. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a slippery slope. Being a parent yeah. is a hard thing to do. <laughs> so what has been some of the best feedback that you've ever gotten from your show? One of the best fan letters. Oh gosh. Um, the fact that we have fans, that's fantastic. And I know there's people that listen on a regular basis and, and I have actually interacted with them, uh, both in person as well as just via, you know, uh, the internet and so forth. And I think that's fantastic that, that people, um, respond, right? So, um, I, I think, um, you know, we've had so many over the years, just different little weird things happen. Um, you know, being, um, at the beginning of, of what podcasting became, I, I, I listened to Adam Curry when he used to do the daily source code and whenever all this was kind of coming about. And I've had, uh, you know, emails with him about, you know, how this is going to work and so forth. And then. Um, uh, we were part of like the first 50 podcasts that he used to have a list that he would have on his website. And, uh, we were part of that list, which was fantastic. Um, at that time we were in iTunes before anybody else because they stole Adam Curry's list. I don't know if people know that, but <laughs> they took basically, they took most of the NPR things and, and Adam Curry's list and that became iTunes when it launched, um, uh, and uh I didn't even know it. I was told by a person who listened. They said, "Do you know you guys are on iTunes?" I'm like, "I didn't know that." So <laughs> it was a, that was kind of a shocker. And you know, now it means a little bit more than it used to. But um uh, or it did become mean a little bit more than it used to. But uh, it was kind of a weird thing at the time. Um But and and you know, just um for me, I think the kind of the most rewarding part is just. uh I always say this has been a, you know, a 20 plus uh, year conversation, almost 25 year conversation with me and my co-host because we were friends in college and we remain friends outside. And even though we don't live anywhere near each other, this has been um, a connector. You know, we do our material each week, but we talk more than that. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's been great. So, I mean, uh, you can't complain about that. I don't. I, I would feel terrible for people who don't get to have uh, some kind of connection uh, in the world um, and and all over the world. I mean, I, there's people overseas that we get, you know, talk to via email and so forth and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it's really interesting. I was yeah. just on a thing uh, two, uh, yeah, last week. And there was people from uh, all over the world on the same call. Uh, and it's just wild to think that. I mean, this is not something that you would, uh, you know, the kids tend nowadays are going to find this commonplace whenever you and I were younger. 
to be on a call with, you know, people in multiple countries uh, for, you know, a couple hours talking about whatever topics would be unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone out there, Bob, has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Oh, gosh. I was, uh, um, I always joke, I say, you know, that I'm, uh, uh, I'm always famous. I've always been famous, even though people didn't know I was famous. That was always my, uh, my bit. But, uh, for me, I don't know. I'm just a, you know, an average, uh, person with, uh, maybe some, uh, strong interests who, uh, doesn't mind talking about them. I, I you know, I get along. I get along basically whether um, I'm in a crowd or I'm I'm by myself, and so I think that uh, I've been lucky in that regard because I think so many people have a hard time um, being themselves, and uh, they can't cope with being themselves. And I'm like, that's just such a terrible uh, affliction for people to have because yeah. you kind of, you know, if you can't love yourself, then what are you doing? You know, so for sure. Uh, but yeah. The weird, the, the, I'm always a the irony is a big thing in my life, so I'm always ironic. I, I'm an introvert, but an extrovert, and, and the irony of all that that comes with it. I love it, man. So, Static Radio, it's all on all platforms. Anything else about you and your world? Where where can people go? Uh, so, yeah, staticradio.com is a website. Uh, you can find stuff there. Static Radio typically is the uh, moniker for any of the social. Uh, networks that you want to go to uh and my apologies always to static radio new jersey which is a band uh we 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 came up about the same time and uh unfortunately i grabbed a lot of those before they did uh and so they're static radio nj in case anybody wants to find them uh but um yeah that's where you find it and i mean there's all kinds of done all kinds of stuff over the years not just uh uh, you know, comedy audio, as it were. But, uh, you know, anybody wants to stop by and say hi, take the time. We'd love to talk to you. I love it. Bob, this has been wonderful, man. I love cats. I'm a cat guy. So the fact that I got to talk to a blue cat and, I, and, and, and I'm quirky at heart, so this whole thing's worked perfectly for my vibe. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, and, and <laughs> best of luck, you know, best of success for everything. And I hope you get to meet somebody else you like other than just uh, the, the one Matt. So, yeah. I'm Maybe gonna, there'll I'm, be more that come to town. I mean, Kansas City is a, you know, it's a destination. If people haven't been there, they're missing out completely. As Edie once said, she's just shooting rainbows at the star, shooting rubber bands at the stars. So I'm going to keep doing it myself. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Fantastic. sir. Bob. Best of luck with everything, man. Yeah, you too. Take care. Till next time. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Hey.